0: Back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Celeste, aka Sea Witch.
1: And I'm your other host, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac. And today, we. It was referenced somewhat in the last episode, and just so you know, we talked about that just minutes ago. And uh-huh. today, we're going to be talking about an article that we found, and it is. Violently entitled. um Ten D and D rules. Nobody realizes that they are breaking.
0: Wow. Okay. And <laughs> <so>, fighting words. <laughs> okay.
1: So so here's my theory. I alluded to it in the previous episode. Yes. I have it. so also this comes from CBR.com and it is written by Isaac Williams. Now that said, I think the article is written by Isaac Williams. But I have a suspicion that there is someone else that does something to these titles. Yeah. Because if you look at the URL, the URL states d rules easy to break.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Which is not the same as no one realizes they are breaking these
0: rules. There is some brilliant marketing person sitting behind a desk at CBR.com going, you know what we need to do to get people to read this <laughs> is fight them.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> it's all I can think of because the URL clearly says something different to oh, me weird. than the actual like clickable title of this article. And and so again, again, this is part of the whole reason behind these articles and things like that, because they all, for whatever reason, all of the ones that get the most looks and views often say five, 10, seven, super like inflammatory, inflammatory wording one direction or the other. But at the end of it, like the core, I feel like Isaac to his core was just like, no, like we all kind of make these mistakes and here's 10 of them that I kind of thought of. It's all good. No one knows this. <laughs> no
0: one knows. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay. Oh, amazing. So amazing. with that out of the way, let's just <laughs> dive right in. Um, uh, because we have ten of them and I I feel like I was called out a few times. Um, because I also think about some of the times that I've carried rules over through editions, mm-hmm. never thought twice about it, only to have someone come in and be like, e- that's not that's not how it's that not is.
0: actually written anywhere and you go, what? <laughs>
1: And that also means that we're going to entitle this exercise, hey, these aren't my rules. Hey, who put these rules here? Yeah, which (laughs) the second half of that quote is, come to think of it, I don't have any rules. That's that's from the classic Beetlejuice. But what is our number 10 rule that nobody
0: realized? Nobody ever realized. Number 10, dexterity bonus doesn't solve initiative ties, which surprised me to hear that um i guess Uh was that a three five thing
1: i don't think it was i don't know that it was ever a thing
0: how did that get started then because that feels so universal like as the way to it does it like
1: from a conceptual standpoint the idea is that like I, you know you almost think of like the old west draw is like probably right. like the catalyst for the idea but then like the more nuanced conversation that i hear is like okay so why is it always dexterity that i use for initiative could it not be my wisdom could it not be my intelligence i mean in so many ways could it not be my charisma right. because i've convinced you that i'm not gonna start fighting you and then i punch you in the face like and so I, I've definitely heard conversations to gear it towards so many other versions, you know, other attributes. But believe you me, the number one I, that I've used over decades.
0: Yeah, has been dexterity.
1: Yeah, because you say like, okay, I say I got 15. You say you got 15. The first thing we're about to ask each other is, oh, what's your dex bonus?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I feel like at so many tables. So I wonder why... I'd be interested in actually, I'm gonna go look this up after cause yep. I'm uh, like, what? Um, but I guess the point is, uh, or the answer here, Isaac is saying that technically players can just decide who goes first. So if you have the yep. same initiative or like the the players decide between players or the GM decides who gets to go first uh, if it's a monster tie.
1: Exactly. Like, you know, again, I my, my dragon has rolled a 15. You have rolled a 15. In theory, I'm going to you know the DM GM. I'm going to decide who's who's first in that scenario, and then the players. You know that's up to them. They can you know they can make that choice, which makes sense. Theoretically, they're a well oiled machine. They've all been working together, and like you know, out of the corner of my eye, I see that you should go first. Right, but the fact of the matter is we I do it wrong all the time yeah
0: yeah I and I would say most of the time my players uh aren't ready to make that decision for themselves. so I'm gonna keep using the dex modifier because that just reduces decision fatigue <laughs> and, and
1: and I like although I like some tables may find using a predetermined bonus more fair.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That's a good point. Because mm-hmm. then
1: it's just arbitrary. It's always decks. It's always who has the higher bonus. Yeah. And honestly, like, that most likely means the rogue who took the extra, which I did on my rogue, I took alert because I already get that plus five because then it's more likely I'm going to surprise someone. It's more like, blah, blah, blah. and of course, I'm faster. Yeah. So, yeah, I also. Let's yeah. Let's continue to add the caveat. Just do it however it works. Do for your table. You want. <laughs> now that said, nobody knows they're nobody breaking knows. this. Nobody knows. We're telling rule. you the
0: secrets. <laughs> how you've been ruining your relationship yeah. ten ways, like those magazines, in the grocery yes. store.
1: Oh, oh God! How to find out if your man hates you?
0: Yeah. Oh, so, okay. What okay. is the next one? We got to
1: move. <laughs> this one. This one hurts. I don't know what more I don't know what to do with this one but basically characters can cast more than one leveled spell per turn. Yes. It's not technically. Technically yes. It's so correct and it hurts because I'm like I don't know how to have that conversation with anyone. But basically when you when a spell requires the bonus action, it can only be like that just uses the bonus action. But the fact is, like, if there was something, let's say it's my first thought is um, uh, Eldritch Eldritch Knight giving Action Surge, technically I could cast two leveled spells. It's only once you start playing with the bonus action that things get muddy. Yes. But it's not wrong. But I also agree that most people would probably say no, but there are fringe cases where it's absolutely you could.
0: I just got into this, yeah, On uh, during a game, it was a whole round robin thing, where of course we had to like stop the stream and be like, all right, listen, here it is. And it, uh, it was Counterspell that like dealt with uh, it okay. because the Reaction Spell, so I mean, you can cast as a caster on your turn, you can use an action to do that. And then on that same turn, like if somebody Counterspells your your spell, you can Counterspell. All in the same turn. And uh, like counting spells, a third level spell, and whatever you were casting. So it can work. But like the rule, for whatever reason, instead of just making a call, they wrote in the rules like, oh, you have to pay attention to this very specific thing. And most of the things. So that's also something I run into when I'm working with like junior designers. Sometimes they don't realize why spells have been given bonus actions or like as reactions like it's part of the secret balancing that goes on in in games like D&D. Yeah,
1: which we'll we'll save a little bit more of that conversation because it's going to oh, don't no. worry. It's coming up. <laughs> but that me what is number
0: 8? All right. So number 8, natural 1s and 20s only apply to attack rolls. Yes. I know, but we don't like it. Like, I th- I feel like most people know that is technically true, but most people like me, I don't care. I think it's just fun to celebrate Twenties and Ones. We don't,
1: you know, the the general 5e community has not liked it so much that 1D&D will change that. It so. w-
0: will absolutely change. Like, that's it's just, it's fun. Like, and it doesn't happen a lot, even with like using it for ability checks or saving throws. like. It's just a fun thing.
1: And with that, and I've given this piece of advice before, and it's it's always good to say, if you is the D, DM or GM when you are running a game, and you're not comfortable with someone rolling a one or rolling a twenty, don't have that be a yeah, roll.
0: Don't ask them to roll.
1: Because because that five percent chance is a strong five yeah. percent. When you are when you don't want something to happen, inevitably a person will roll a twenty. Like it's just the fact of the matter and always having like that 5% chance does make the game more interesting in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, I guess a better term because, you know, it is used in so many games. It makes that game more heroic. Yeah. Um, that There's always that chance for something that is beyond that is theoretical because once we move to skills, that means that something can be done beyond the abilities of that character if they roll the 20 because the whole purpose here is if I set a DC of 30 and they roll a 20 and they have a plus one, it doesn't matter. It will never matter. This makes it matter. And I think that I, I think it's more fun.
0: It is more fun. I mean, I remember I think it was actually a Call of Cthulhu game where this happened, where like I had a player, you know, is the whole end of the thing. Like it was there was a chance like this big ritual, like so many things had gone wrong. And like Call of Cthulhu is a game where you kill people <laughs> like there's or worse uh, like that. It just happens like the players are all ready for it. And I I told the player, I was like, all right, you want to do this thing? There is like a 5% chance that this will work. And if it doesn't work, like something very, very bad is going to happen. And he decided to make the roll and he got it. It was under the 5%. And that was the coolest like feeling for all of us. Even me as the GM, I was like, oh my God, like fate, like what, what? like yeah. that kind of magic is more likely to happen if you just open up natural ones and 20s
1: tall roles when i think about like it works everywhere this concept works everywhere i was in a poker tournament recently and like my my chances of winning winning a hand basically to double my money and take someone out and stay in this tournament were very low but i had to go in or else i wouldn't win right and lo and behold the card i needed comes up at the very end and just like the whole room just erupts yeah the same thing with like when you're watching any sporting event like the likelihood that x happens and it does everyone loses just goes bananas. Just. Yes. Okay. Now that said, <laughs> this one is also interesting because like, I think it's, I think people know, y- but I yes. think they don't know. So yes. number seven is sneak attack. doesn't actually require, and I will add this extra word, any sneaking any ever.
0: Sneaking ever. Yeah.
1: Like that's just, I mean, I play a high, a high level rogue. Basically the only two, the only two requirements for gaining sneak attack is that you have advantage for literally any reason. Yep. Or there is someone with it, an ally within five feet. Yep, that's it. You win. Now you have sneak attack. Be, but part of that is because you want, you want your poor rogue, who is often throwing a dagger. This this rogue throws yep. daggers, and if I don't get sneak attack, I'm just a just a guy throwing daggers at people.
0: Yeah, and I mean, rogues only get one attack on their turn, right? So like, yeah. it's they don't get extra attack, so it's got to be good.
1: Yeah. And the idea that the idea that you're also you're layering in the like trying to gain advantage as part of that process so then you're more likely to hit with that all or nothing one attack. But yeah, basically you get if you took one feat and got fine familiar, you would always get sneak attack <laughs> and literally never sneak anywhere ever for any reason.
0: Yeah. Well, it's also too. I don't think people realize how actually complicated sneaking like hiding is in in 5e it is awful like the the number of steps you have to go through and it's maddeningly unclear like you know you make the hide check and that doesn't actually mean you're hidden that means that the other creature has to be can constantly roll but they Uh have to roll with penalties and like it's it's absolutely ridiculous and also if you're hidden that doesn't mean that things can't like find you it just means they can't see you so if something can smell like you're not hidden like it's there's all kinds of yeah nonsense
1: well yeah and even being yeah even being completely invisible based on the spells is only incurring disadvantage it's not even incurring more than that and yeah well and then like you want that that additional the addition there are several one layer is actually going to come up um when we get when we oh, get Oh no. It. But the okay. other layer is like doing all of this in combat. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what <laughs> what is number 6 though?
0: So number 6, most magic items don't regain all their charges every day. I feel like most people know this. And so so if we're <laughs> Right? So this is the di-
1: this is the difference between the U- this is the difference between the URL and the stated title of this article. Yes, because I feel like anyone that doesn't take take the time to look at it, and I'm not faulting anyone for that, yeah. because again, like you've played for X number of years, yeah, magic items just recharge, blah blah blah. But if you didn't look at that fact that it doesn't, then you just assume that it does, only to find out later that's not true. Also, I feel like some of them don't really like you to use them all the way or they kind of want to. Exp-
0: yeah. So that's which is why also I, very odd. Yeah. That's why I feel like people would pay attention to this role because I, I can think of at least like 10 or so items right now that like if you run out of charges, you have to roll and it explodes like and it's very bad. Like the Horn of Blasting, yep. I think, is one. It's like 66 thunder damage to everybody standing within five feet of you. And the item is destroyed.
1: Oh, yeah so i so, feel like that's that's probably yeah. the rule that people less people know is that uh, second one because yep. my thought would be i'm gonna because let's say i don't know either rule yeah then if that's true i'm gonna use the horn of blasting oh, yeah all the time all the time i'm gonna mm-hmm. run it out i'm gonna go to sleep and i'm gonna run it out we're the gonna next do bed, it again yeah only to find out that one it probably blew up and if it didn't blow up here's the other part though it's always it's not always fun
0: either yeah
1: because that's a weird thing to balance—the idea that every day that I wake up, I could either gain, let's say, one or six charges. Yeah, it's—I get it. It's weird. I don't know that I—I I don't know that it's as fun. And if like it's not working at your table, my advice would probably be to lessen the charges that an item has. Yeah, and to, basically you're—you know—you're just it because at that point, you know, a d six, the average roll of a d six is three point five. So if I say that you know every morning you wake up, you always get three. Instead of saying, unfortunately, you've got one today. <laughs>
0: unfortunately, uh, I also feel like, I, and maybe this is just me or not, but like, it is very hard to track days in D&D, because I oh, feel yeah. like it's either like, oh, we're tracking time very carefully because we're in an adventure, like we're in a dungeon, we've been here for four hours, you know, whatever, whatever, like tracking our spells, but often my players will go, well, how many days has it been? Like, we have a character that, like, something changes pretty dramatically every day for them in the campaign I'm currently running. And that has been a challenge, even for me as a DM, to be like, okay, wait, when did they sleep? Like, how many days has it been? And be like, oh, we've been playing, you know, in real life for a year. But, yes, it's been, like, 20 days in the game, (laughs) right? Because even,
1: like, (sighs) two long rests in a day is very feasible. Yeah. I mean to accomplish so then should it be that way eh. Eh. okay just look at the just read the description of the magic item and heck read it out loud for your players heck it, yeah okay this one this one's real fun for me because <laughs> i agree people yeah. don't do people definitely don't do this one creatures can't ready actions outside of combat
0: yeah i feel like that's
1: oh no people really want to do it really Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, if so-and-so comes around the corner, I want to do this and that. Ah. So, like, trying to stay... Basically, staging an ambush to some degree is kind of always the goal to get the jump. And I I do understand it, but technically you can't because you're not inside of combat. So you can't ready an action because you're setting that action aside with a caveat um, that it would happen after X amount... Or X happens, I do Y. That's how you ready an action.
0: I guess I, like... I'm I'm thinking of this more like kind of, and maybe it's just because I've, I've kind of trained my players to do this as well, but like it's all, you know, ability checks and like you have all access to everything like around, you know, like before, but then when, once initiative is rolled, that's when like those specific actions like attacks and stuff come into play. Like we would have to roll immediately if they did want to trigger something like that. So yeah, yeah I guess that makes sense.
1: And I think the base concept is like rules as written, you aren't going to get to do this thing for free. Right. Because that's kind of the goal that I'm going for is let's say it's a fireball and I just cast fireball. The idea that I just cast fireball outside of combat because they walk around the corner. No. Right. That's basically what we're saying. Raw, we're saying no. I don't know. It depends on how much, I don't know. So much of my thought Hmm. is like, Hmm. how much are they invested in this process? If they're really invested in this process and making it happen, then I'm going to say just let them do it. Like, yeah, if they
0: want to incinerate everyone in a building, you know, all right. I guess, yeah, if it is like an enemy or something there, I would I would probably have them if they want to do that. Yeah. Immediately roll initiative uh, and then maybe put them at the top of the order is like what I might do. Yeah, or I would have them roll first. Like, okay, you, maybe are you trying to do like a stealth thing? You know, and if they're successful, I'd let them do it. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. I guess I see your point. That is kind of tricky.
1: Yeah, because because the, the 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 theory would go. You know, we've all you know. We've all already rolled initiative. It's my turn. So I've taken, let's say I've taken my movement, I've done my bonus, and now I'm going to say with my action on my turn, I am going to ready. Ready, yeah. That's the concept that we're working with here is that you can't ready your action because it's not your turn in combat. So you don't technically have an action. Right. Again, not how I'm going to do it, but I get it.
0: Yeah. Okay. I guess the, the point is ready is an action that can only be taken during combat.
1: Correct. Yeah, war so, turn yeah. in combat.
0: Yeah. Okay. I feel like I maybe I'm lucky I don't have to deal with this so much, but I've, I've never had that minute distinction yeah. cause a problem for me. So, hmm. They're out there. They're out there. I'm I just, believe it. I'm Probably just, DD. I'm, just letting you know. I'm guessing AL out folks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, GMs who have to deal with this. Tell your players to chill,
1: calm down. Send Someone- them to
0: this article. Challenge them, say what you don't know about DD could fill an article. And you then send- <laughs> and everyone else is woefully
1: unaware. <laughs>
0: oh my God.
1: Okay, so what's number four?
0: Number four, inspiration grants advantage, not rerolls. Yes, yeah. I know. But again, yeah. like the ones and twenties, it's so much more fun the other way. Yeah. It's such a good
1: mechanic. Yeah but it's so hard to get your players
0: to use it and inspiration it's already hard for them to remember they have it usually it's already hard for gms to remember to give it out and then if you're limiting it even more to making it just advantage as per the rules instead of a reroll like god that's gonna limit the even further the chances that it's actually ever going to get used
1: yeah, and I get, and part of it, I guess, is that that it doesn't feel wrong because of how infrequently it gets used, anyway. Yeah, giving you know, uh, you think of older editions with hero points or um, bennies in other situations, or 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 most games in general kind of have some mechanic that some ends up being a re-roll. reroll,
0: yeah, like luck points or whatever, you know.
1: So, yeah. Oh, I agree. It's definitely not how it is supposed to use, and I am, I am fully aware of that. Yeah. Um, but but again, I don't
0: like it. <laughs> per,
1: per the URL, it is easy to break.
0: It is easy to break, uh, and maybe you should. Maybe you should. Yeah. Also, I just feel like it, it's just such a bummer when you fail a roll, and you you would spend your inspiration and to get advantage, and both your rolls are bad, and like, what was the point of that? Right. At least. If you're doing a re-roll, like, even if you still don't roll better, there's that little hope. You go on that journey, you know, other than just, like, flat misery.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, flat just do it. misery. Just, just, just do it. Just let them have it. Oh, boy, okay. this next
0: one. I like this next one. What's the next one, R- Neil?
1: <laughs> okay, admittedly, this is one of the few that I actually didn't know. You didn't? Or at least I didn't. Well, just in the sense that, yeah. like, I guess I had never thought th- thought through it this much. One, because I really don't play a lot of characters that do ranged attacks. Also, I okay, number three, ranged attacks have disadvantage on anybody when an enemy is within five feet. Mm -hmm. And and I've never thought about it because oftentimes if I have an enemy within five feet of me as a ranged character, I am actively doing two things, either running running away to not be in five feet or attacking them. Yeah. And so I've always thought, yeah, I get disadvantage on that person that I'm attacking me because they are within five feet of me. But that's not the right way to think about it. I would get disadvantage on all ranged attacks mm-hmm. because they are within five feet of me. That is to say that if I shot at anyone else, yeah. I would still have disadvantage because obviously I would. The person next to me is trying to stab me while I'm trying to do something.
0: Right, and you're trying to crank your <laughs> crank a giant like crossbow. Yeah, yeah this is a uh, I like this one. I've I've had to teach quite a few people. I don't think you're alone yeah. um in missing this. Like and it is, you know, sort of hidden in the combat rules. But yeah, I I like it a lot because the logic of it makes sense. Like if you've ever seen someone shoot a bow, like you try and do that with somebody like standing right in your face, you know? Like it's just it can't be done. And again,
1: Isaac, yeah. Isaac does really well explaining in the final sentence, it doesn't represent the difficulty of a point blank shot, but the challenge of lining up an arrow while dodging a sword. Yeah.
0: <laughs> while somebody's yeah, swinging at your face or like you don't have the space to like draw your string, right? You know, that that kind of Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's cool because like like Isaac mentions range stuff is really powerful because most creatures are weighted towards melee attacks. So, yeah, you got to remember, like, this helps balance the game a little bit for those, for those ranged characters.
1: Yeah, because the likelihood that you could, you know, you could kill something before it even gets close enough to do a single attack. Number two. Hmm,
0: number two. Bonus actions can't be used as actions. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay, but it is hard. It is a hard concept because I don't think people it gets muddy because people want it to be a little bit more muddy and I totally understand all the reasons behind it but the way to think about it and this is this is me this is me voicing the way I've had to force yes. my brain to work with these things is that the four things that you can do in a turn round whatever the four things your character can do exist in silos when I do a reaction those are reactions yeah. When I do bonus actions, those are bonus actions. When I do actions, those are actions. And when I move, that's movement. And they are in four silos. Yeah. Um, Things cross very, very rarely. But for the most part, you have to look at them as four totally separate things that can happen. Yeah. You just happen to be the one character that can do them all. Like that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I I think it's probably – I have the advantage probably of thinking of this as like someone who designs – for a living like when people are always like oh like why would you make this a bonus action like what are you doing it's like the action economy that is built into all of these classes and subclasses it's like so precise like there's absolutely a reason why these two things are a bonus action because in the mechanics it would be bunkers if you could do them uh, on the same turn so this is a way to kind of help you have to really be thoughtful about your turns and like Build, build it in there, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's the same with like a reaction, like
0: I can't take a reaction right. using my action. right? It has to trigger something, right? Like, yeah, and it's easier to grasp with reactions because they always have the trigger conditions, whereas bonus actions, you think, oh, it's just like an extra thing. Perhaps the, the problem is we called it bonus action, uh, right? Instead of saying like, you know, minor, act- well, even minor, it'd be like, you'd assume, hmm, yeah. I can see how that would be extra tricky. Extra action. Extra action. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately it's like you said, because those things are put, put in the specific spaces and places with design in mind, especially you think about the classes that end up. It also feels weird. The class that ends up not having a lot to do with their bonus action. They feel hampered because they are, because they can't, they literally can't do anything with
0: that silo because it's empty. That's why it's important Spellcasters to pick spells that require bonus actions. Uh, I've talked about this a lot, but when you choose your spells, you should almost never start with the spell description. You should look at your action economy and be like, do I have a reaction spell? Do I have a bonus action spell? Do I have a way with this character build to use my bonus action effectively? If the answer is no, then you need to pick something else.
1: Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right, here we go. Oh, here it is.
0: Here it is. All right, number one.
1: There
0: we go. <laughs> Surprise rounds don't exist.
1: Welcome aboard. It's okay, but there's a second layer that this gets into that is yes. really interesting to me. That I don't. Again, it's like sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I just don't want to think about those things. I'm just I'm just playing. We're all just playing. We're just,
0: we're just here. We're just playing. We're just learning and playing together and sneaking around.
1: Yeah. So. So again, the idea of readying that action, that's not really how that works. You can prepare for combat, but that's different. And so then it happens. Players often want to get the drop on enemies is how it describes it, using stealth to catch them unprepared. But basically, when combat happens, you're rolling initiative and we're all deciding that to where we go in this initiative. And you can decide whether or not someone has the surprised condition, but that's also interesting. Yes, Because if they're higher in the initiative order than you are, they won't have the surprise condition when it gets to you in the first round. Yep. And that's the thing that I – that's probably the part of this that I think people aren't realizing, myself included, thinking – because I think you know in my head I would have thought – and essentially I would have given a surprise round that someone holds the surprise condition for the first round. But that's not true. Mm -mm. They hold the surprise condition – for their first turn, yep. Which is always, a, which which is also another really important distinction when we're talking about five e, the difference between a turn and a round. Yes, it's also the same reason. It's also the reason why a rogue can sneak attack three times yep. in a in a round because they did it on, with their attack. Then the battlemaster fighter let them use their re- reaction, uh, or 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 or. It, so there's different ways in spaces that a person can get more sneak attacks because it's not on their turn. It's in the round. But yeah, ultimately, um, if the enemy just rolls super, super high, they're just not surprised
0: at all. It doesn't matter. That's why, like, and I I feel like people don't realize there are some, like, items and feats and things that people are like, oh, that's garbage. Why would I ever take that? Because it has to deal with surprise. But actually, that if you're playing rules as written, that actually helps you quite a lot because it doesn't even matter what your initiative is so if you have you know the bow of warning or whatever it is that says you can never be surprised while you hold this bow like that's that's a pretty big advantage to come in with like when a monster does pop out of wherever um and they're obviously going to have a higher you know initiative role than you it is unfortunate like i get why this is hard because also like surprised is technically a condition in 5e but it's not listed with the other conditions in the php so it's very hard to find what the heck it is and where it is.
1: Which, it's so hard to write books of yes. this nature because you, you <laughs> have, although it not being with the conditions it does seem like a bit of a, right? a bit of like, a miss. But the idea of like how, how to give players information mm-hmm. in a good directional method as you're reading through the book. But I also think about just using surprised more. Like even, even in my own games at my own table the idea that to you know the party and the enemies come together the likelihood that someone is surprised in that is higher than i probably am giving it credit i also think about surprising someone midway through combat it's it's plausible yeah. because again it's just a condition the same way that i could charm someone the same way that i could poison someone uh, there's nothing to be said that and making sure though in this implementation the reason i would do it with a monster to surprise a character is to illustrate to the player that that's something that they could also do. Like yes. that's really what my ultimate goal is. And that, or just the idea that we both can, you can do it. I can do it. Um, but the idea of having another monster pop out of a wall, their likelihood that everyone else is surprised is high. Including yeah. the monst- the other monsters that were there. Um, but at, yeah, probably using the surprise condition more would alleviate any issues you have at your table with the fact that, yeah, surprise rounds just absolutely wholesale, not a thing.
0: Not a thing in 5e, <laughs> which uh, I definitely forgot for a lot because they were definitely a thing in all the editions, I played. Oh, yeah uh but yeah think about it i encourage you gms next time you have a dungeon for instance to like really think about the surprise condition and that's the best way to set up ambushes and stuff i mean that's why dungeons were historically so dangerous in older editions and why i think they don't get a lot of love in 5e for whatever reason i think people are confused about why they're there but like those tight corners like the dark spaces Uh, trap doors and like moving walls like the perfect way to play with a surprise condition and like really get your players to see some creative stuff is to incorporate these kind of encounters in your dungeons
1: yeah i also think about the idea of just just treating it better or treating it with more care the idea that you know you could be face to face with the enemy because it's more of a social setting and the idea that, you know, things have gone far enough there, the, the next step that is going to happen is that either the player or the NPC is going to punch the other person. We all know that now. So we're going to roll for initiative. And let's say, you know, it's me as the, this the GM I've decided my character, you know, my NPC is definitely going to punch you in the face. So now we all roll initiative. Let's say the character that's about to be punched manages to roll higher. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's super fun that's, for the. That's table.
0: the monk stuff. That's the matrix move, right? You're like, I'm dodging bullets. Like that's that's what that is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You notice that you notice that slight twitch in the hand before the fist starts to come up your way, but you're, you know, you're not surprised. That doesn't mean they're not gonna get hit. Yeah. It just means they're not gonna, you know, have that surprise condition beforehand. Well, there we go. There was 10. 10 rules that are easy no to break
0: ever or
1: about. <laughs> that no one realizes they're breaking.
0: You're doing it wrong. No, no, thank you, Isaac. I'm sure you had the best of intentions with yes. this article and it was good. I think I feel like, the yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm dead set. There's someone that changes the titles of these because it's, it's what makes sense.
0: I Yeah. I wonder if Isaac is sitting at his desk and like getting angry email and being like why why did that's not what i said uh, just check the url look at the url, just look at the URL. i was innocent you... <laughs> uh but anyway that was great thank you so much <laughs> Oh, yeah. So if you enjoyed that, uh, if you enjoyed that and you want to tell us, you know, how much that fun that was, like, or you hate the way that we didn't remember how Surprise works, uh, (laughs) leave us a review and tell us. Um, Basically, any reviews are good. So even if it was, uh, you know, one star, they didn't know what Surprise was, uh, we'll take it on whatever podcast app you are listening to. Reviews, just having more of them helps people find the show. Uh, So we really, really appreciate when you take the time to do that. Um, and, of course, if you want to tell us directly about rules that we have forgotten or, or you have forgotten at your table, you can always reach out to us at, uh, via email at dmnastics at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at dmnastics, me at C. Conowitch, and Neil at JoeMoniac. And for everything else on the network, you can always visit blockpartypodcastnetwork.com.
1: And, as always, a huge thank you to the Bards over on Bombarded for intro and outro music. You can find more about them at bombardedcast.com. But with that, rather than... L- nope, yep, uh, words. Rather than let these mental gains go to waste, let's head to taking your supplements. Taking your supplements! Celeste, you have a supplement for us to discuss. Tell me about it.
0: I do. And I'm very excited because this actually like touches a lot on something we talked about in this episode, uh, Surprise Rounds and Dungeons. And so the book that I have to recommend for you all is... How to defend your lair which is the the newest book from Keith Amon. So if you don't know who Keith Amon is or you haven't seen any of his books before, you should definitely check them out because if you are interested in this show and like exercises and ways to think about like creative encounter building and setting up, you know, just great adventures, you should definitely check out Keith's stuff. Uh, Probably his most famous book, his first book was called The Monsters Know What They're Doing where basically Keith goes and like looks at each monster in the monster manual and then gives you strategies for how these monsters would play smart in combat and so with this new book he's taking it to the next level how to defend your lair which where he talks about different types of monsters and like what they might do to set up their lairs to defend against adventurers. So he introduces like he goes through and actually has like little maps and graphics and like trap suggestions and goes through creature type like what might humanoids build to you know deter adventurers or how how might an ooze handle like somebody coming into their lair. So it's a lot of really cool stuff and it's in a it, in like a hardcover book format or softcover I believe, but it's a book that you can sit down and and read. So. They're very fun and like packed with great ideas and wisdom. And Keith is a very nice person. So I totally encourage you all to go and check out, yeah, how to defend your lair, level up your dungeon game. Perfect. Yeah.
1: And it, it they look great. All four of them. So this is the fourth book in the series. So if you do find this one to be enjoyable, and it's it's a fairly recent um release within the past several weeks. Yeah. Um, but basically uh there will be a link in the show notes. Um, and from there you can link out to where you would prefer to buy it, be it Amazon or some somewhere else. But this, yeah. Let's be honest, this is a kind of book for the players that have played for a longer time and basically you you don't want your monsters to be bags of hit points right um you want them to do more intuitive things uh, so you can read these books and you can figure out how to
0: do those yeah even better i'm looking right now there are like actual just straight up layers that you can put in your game he like has full maps and encounters and new magic items you can put in there so really great stuff
1: yeah Which is which is great because some some of these things also they can work in more of an anecdotal and completely written form. But the idea of saying, no, here's a layer and here's the things you could do with the layer definitely starts to give you the tools to be able to do that with anything that you get from any publisher. So, like I said, links in the show note uh, that'll link you out to be able to buy it and um, then tell Keith whatever you want to tell him you tell, tell him tell you, keith, we sent you.
0: celeste sent you um he's very nice he always comes by the Cobalt press booth and make sure that i get a copy of his new stuff so like it's it is very sweet and very kind uh so tell him tell him thank you for this gift keith
1: <laughs> there we go but with that we'll turn out the lights and head out of the gym
0: Before we go, I want to implore you, the listener, to join the forums, the Discord, Twitter, and anywhere else you can find us and take part in these challenges, exercises, and other amazing conversations being had.
1: And to do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift?